You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Happy Mid-Pride Month, everybody. I'm sure it being mid-June, when you hear this, that you've all seen the gay McDonald's ad, the McDonald's ad that would never run in the United States of America, as everyone from myself to Bill O'Reilly has pointed out. In the ad, there's this insanely cute teenage French boy on the phone in a McDonald's speaking to a classmate about his class picture and saying, I miss you and rubbing his thumb on one of the images. And clearly whoever he's talking to is in the picture and has uh, stuck his, his or her tongue into the boy's mouth. And then the dad comes over and sits down. And when the dad comes to the table with the lousy American chow, the French kid snaps off the phone. And says, oh, God, talk to you later. Cause my dad and the dad sits down and says, Oh, it's too bad uh, that you go to an all boys school. Cause you could really clean up with the girls. And we're left to, to, you know, to piece together the fact that this classmate, whoever the classmate is, that this boy is involved with is another boy. And oh my God. And the tag on the ad is McDonald's, come as you are. And that sound you heard last couple weeks ago was Kurt Cobain spinning in his grave. What's interesting about the ad is it's being, you know, talked about as this really pro-gay positive message that could never air in America because the American Family Fuckwit Association would shit its shorts and there would be an ineffectual boycott called on McDonald's just like the ineffectual boycott called on Pepsi and everybody else who's ever shined on the gay community in an advertising campaign much to the consternation of the right-wing anti-gay bigots. But I don't think the ad is really all that gay po- You know, they're saying come as you are to McDonald's. Come closeted to mcdonald's because the kid doesn't come out to his father his father doesn't know if it were really a gay positive ad you know the dad would sit down the son would look at his father and say dad there's something i have to tell you and then the camera would pull back and you'd see the dad reach across the table and place a clearly uh you know his hand on his son's shoulder in an affirming supportive way like it would be this coming out moment like come as you are come out at mcdonald's why not come out at mcdonald's and then stuff your face with lousy chow, and hurry the process of aging along so you will look like your schlumpy father uh, more quickly than you need to. Cute little French fag boy. And they were talking about it on Bill O'Reilly's show. And Bill O'Reilly pointed out that in the way that only Bill O'Reilly can, that if McDonald's is saying come as you are to everyone, including people as disgusting as gay teenagers, that perhaps French McDonald's should air a come as you are ad uh, reaching out to Al-Qaeda. Because there's really not a dime's worth of difference between French gay teenagers who are going to school, who have decent relationships if they're not out yet with their parents, and terrorists and Islamic fundamentalists who, as we've seen in Iran, when they can get their hands on gay teenagers, execute them. Yeah, Bill, not a dime, not a lot of daylight between gay French teenagers, Islamic fundamentalists, terrorists, whack jobs, flying planes in the buildings. A McDonald's executive was quoted on O'Reilly's show, though, as saying that of course they can air this ad in France because there's obviously no problem with homosexuality in France today, unquote. And again, go back to the ad. There's obviously some sort of problem with homosexuality in France today. Otherwise, again, the ad would have ended with the kid coming out to his dad. Unless, of course, what McDonald's means to imply is your secret is safe with McDonald's. You can come out to Ronald McDonald 
and he will still give you a fucking hamburger for a couple of euros. But you can't come out to your dad because there's still a problem, at least in some quarters in France today, with homosexuality. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice today, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. This episode is brought to you by adammail.com, where you can find adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adammail.com and enter guys at checkout. Hi, Dan. This is Mary. Um, I am a 25-year-old out lesbian living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And my problem is kind of twofold. Um, One, I'm very shy. I have some anxiety issues, um, and I'm just not very good at meeting new people. But I'd really like to have a girlfriend and meet someone that I could, you know, spend time with and maybe fall in love with. You know, that would be great. Um, I tried like getting involved in the local choir where things were, you know, a little structured so that I could meet people without a lot of pressure, but I was still having some real anxiety issues with that even there and tried asking out one of the girls that I'd met there and she turned me down, um, which, you know, I understand that happens a lot. Uh, you're going to ask and ask and ask and people are going to turn you down, um, but it was still discouraging. So I was just wondering, how can I kind of work towards getting over those anxiety issues? What's a good way to meet people without having that kind of pressure that I'm going to say the wrong thing or I'm going to make an ass of myself? Um, And the other issue is I kind of have a boyfriend. He's married, and he knows that I'm a lesbian, and he's okay with that. And we get along, we're great. It's kind of a weird poly thing, which I never expected uh, to get into. Um, But I'm also afraid that any lesbians that I meet will look at me and say, ha-ha, you're dating a man, and so you're not a lesbian. You're obviously just uh, looking for a threesome, and why should I talk to you? Which, you know, I'm not looking for a threesome, and I never expected to, you know, kind of get involved with a guy. Uh, he's kind of a heterosexual exception, if I may be able to use the term. Um, And he's totally supportive of me going out and finding a girlfriend. I'm just kind of afraid that somebody's going to walk up and, like, take my lesbian card away. Um, So, you know, if you could give me some advice, I'd appreciate it. What's wrong with bisexual? Why not just identify as bi? Because you've already got a couple of strikes working against you in that you're involved with someone who has a penis. And for a lot of lesbians, that's a high, veiny, sweaty, before skin hurdle to clear. You know how some people who are straight identified will occasionally mess around with a same-sex partner and there was this term kicking around for a while, heteroflexible. Perhaps we need to borrow that suffix for all those lesbian identified by women out there who are attached to their lesbian identity and their affinity uh, with, you know, the lesbian community and little axes. 
and just create lesbo flexible to mean I'm bisexual, but I don't want to admit it um, because I'm only bisexual a little bit around the edges, only for this one guy and his one dick. You're just going to have to keep at it. There's no simple solution here for a lot of women, particularly lesbian identified women who are not lesbos flexible. You're having a, another partner is going to be a problem. You're having another partner who is a dude is going to be a very big problem. And so you're just going to have to ask and ask and ask and you're going to have to endure a, a certain amount of rejection. And I'm sorry to say this and the bisexuals will blow up me. Legit rejection. It is legit for someone to say to you. You know, people can discriminate in their love lives for any reason. You know, we all get to pick our own deal breakers. The more we have uh, – the more likely we are to be lonely and single all our lives. So you want to be not a, you know, a massive collection. You want to be the Louvre of deal breakers. But people are right to say, you know, I'm a lesbian woman and I would like to be with a lesbian woman who is a lesbian woman and not a lesbo, flexible, in denial, bisexual woman making an exception for just this one dude who happens to be married. Your other option beyond lesbian women and, 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 it always blows my mind that this never occurs to the lesbo-flexibles and the homo-flexibles, the, the handful that exist. And many bisexuals is dating bisexuals. Why not find other women who are similarly situated emotionally, sexually, socially, romantically and chase after them? And they're out there because the lesbians are constantly complaining about being approached by them. They're out there. They are legion. Go after a bisexual. What is it about – and I'm here come the calls. The text every at-risk youth are looking at me like, thanks for ruining the weekend. What is it about so many bisexuals who when they complain about their lack of luck, they seem to only talk about how straight people won't date them and gay people won't date them and lesbians won't date them, dot, dot, dot. And they never get around to saying, so I'm hitting on bisexuals now. Or it just never even seems to occur to them that they could chase after other bisexuals. I would encourage you to perhaps self-identify as bisexual and it's complicated as your relationship status and go after other bisexual women who may want female partners and male secondaries, which seems to be what you've got and what you have to offer. And you would be the ideal girlfriend for that bisexual woman or lesbo flexible woman if she exists and she does chase one of them. Um, hi, Dan. This is, um, well, I'm a, 16-year-old male, um, straight male, and um, I may have a problem that has to do with um, me being 16 and kind of um, unverse in the um, subject of women. Um, during my freshman year of high school, I um, went to another high school than I am currently, and um, there was this girl that I kind of secretly liked, and I, I got the impression that she liked me. You know, there were um, all my friends thought she liked me. She was doing things, you know, she was kind of coming on to me. She was not coming, but she was um, approaching me doing things that like a girlfriend would do to her boyfriend. Um, and then I um, moved high schools and I got, you know, um, I guess I really, I moved high schools and um, I contacted her because um, I was kind of feeling, I guess, homesick kind of. Um, and I contacted her, and I was, um, I said, hey, you know, a bunch of, bunch of me, my friends, thought you liked me. Did you like me, or was that some kind of ruse? Um, and she responded back, no, I've never liked you in my life. Um, 
we weren't even friends. What was going on? I mean, is, do people just do that? And and what should I say in response? You know, do people just, I guess, mess with your heartstrings? Maybe she liked you. Maybe she didn't. She doesn't now. You'll never know. And you shouldn't obsess about it. You did the right thing, perhaps, in giving her a call. You did the wrong thing in asking her if it was a ruse, because that was sort of an accusation that she was behaving in a manipulative, dishonest fashion, and that might have prompted her to be a little brusker and ruder than she needed to be. But you were in error, and you can't let this devastate you, and you can't obsess about it. You shouldn't call her again, and you shouldn't bother her about it. It's just this is just a little, like, rejection under the bridge, a little blood and... Grief under the bridge. Let it roll away. Was she messing with your heartstrings maliciously? Doubtful. Odds are that you were misinterpreting signals, which happens to us all. We'll be interacting with somebody who makes our lattes with a classmate, with you know the partner of a friend, and we'll think, they're flirting with me. And they may just very innocently being, being a little too effusively polite or ingratiating And you may misread their signals. And part of becoming sexually active and socially active, part of dating and asking people out is making mistakes, misreading signals, finding out that you misread the signals, and then honing your signal reading skills as you move forward. Clearly, the lesson you need to take from this experience is not this girl's a bitch and it was a ruse and she was playing with your heartstrings. But perhaps the more likely answer, you misread her signals in future – Try to be a little bit more discerning. Don't necessarily trust your gut. But you have a right to ask somebody out. You know, if you feel like you're getting a positive vibe from somebody, you can just straight up ask them out. And then if they say, no, that wasn't true, I didn't feel that way, you can't go all serial killer on their asses. You can't be upset and devastated. It just comes with the territory. It comes with mating and dating. Hey, fellas, looking for something truly sexy? Do you need a hot new DVD or maybe an adventurous new toy? How about a luxurious new lube? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adammail.com now and you'll get 50% off just about any item. That's right, gentlemen, 50% off, but that is not all. When you choose one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free all-mail DVDs that are sure to get you in the mood. And to top it off, they'll even throw in free shipping. Just use offer code G-U-Y-S, that's guys, at adammail.com. Dot com. That's guys at adammail.com. Hi, Dan. My name's Sarah. Um, I'm 17 years old, and um, I'm having some issues right now with uh, really my first boyfriend of about six months. Uh, things have been really good up until the last couple of weeks. I feel, I don't know, kind of like he just doesn't want me around like when he's here I still feel very far away from him and I feel like he's always kind of stringing me along saying like oh I'll come see you today and then I can't and that happens a lot and I feel like at this point it's just kind of pulling teeth um part of it I feel like is his parents his parents are really not so great to him um his dad's an alcoholic and occasionally beats the shit out of him, and his mom is just a bitch face whore. Um, Or, I'm sorry, I don't mean to say whore, but she's not very nice. Um, And 
I just, I don't really know if this is something that I'm willing to break up with him over or not because he, he lets them sort of dictate how he acts around me. And I just don't really know if at this point his uh, family abuse is something that I really want to deal with because I come from an abusive family and I just don't really know if that's something that I can deal with. Does that make me a totally shitty person? What should I do about this? Let's for a moment set aside his abusive father and his bitch face whore mother. Is this relationship making you happy? Is it bringing good things into your life? Doesn't sound like it is. You're not obligated to date this boy forever. If getting together with him is pulling teeth, if he's weaseling out of and you know commitments to you, you don't have to date him forever because he's got a lousy family situation on his hands. You don't. You're not an unusually shitty person if you decide to bail because the relationship isn't making you happy. It doesn't sound like the relationship's making him that happy either, which is probably why he's making himself scarce. But if he's got a bitch face whore mother and an abusive father, he may have a hard time saying no to people. He may fear you in the same way that he fears his parents. And so he tells you what he thinks you want to hear, which is a coping strategy for a lot of people who have abusive home lives. Uh, and then does what he wants to do, needs to do around the edges and tries to get away with what he can get away with. You know, And it sounds like he's saying, yeah, I'll see you. And then I'm, he doesn't make himself available to you because what he really wants is not to see you, perhaps to break up, but doesn't have the courage to just come out and say it because he's so beat down at home and so afraid of the people that he has intimate relationships with because of his bitch face whore mother and his abusive dad. You have to do what's right for you. And it sounds like what's right for you is to call the whole thing off. Give him permission to end it if he wants to end it. Tell him you can still be friends, that you still be there for him, that you still want to offer him your emotional support because he clearly needs it. And you need his perhaps too because it doesn't sound like things are gangbusters and rainbows for you at home either. But you can end this relationship without having to feel like a horribly shitty person. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Stephen Saylor's Roman Blood, A Mystery of Ancient Rome. I know I've plugged it once before, but summer's coming up and it's a great beach. Listen if not read. Stephen Saylor's Roman Blood, Mystery of Ancient Rome. For that free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, I am a lesbian. And the other day, I was using a strap-on with my girlfriend and just suddenly got this crazy urge for her to go down on me like I was a man. And she did. She was totally game. And then I totally, I felt really weird about it, even though it was incredibly hot and I kind of felt guilty about it. But I just wanted to know if that's normal and if that's maybe part of some expression of some transgender desire. Normal shmormal. Did you enjoy it? Did she enjoy it? Was it consensual? Did everybody live to tell the latex blowjob tale? Yes, yes, yes. The answer to all those questions is yes. So 
don't worry about normal unless you define normal as healthy, consensual, constructive, fun, mutually pleasurable sexual activity, in which case it was normal. Unfortunately, that is not how we define normal when we talk about sex in our culture. It's how I'd like us to define normal, in which case don't worry about it. Is it evidence of creeping transgenderism? You would know the answer to that. You have to look between your ears to figure out if you secretly want to have a real cock. As opposed to just in fantasy role play for a moment, you, having sex with another woman, adopted a cock temporarily. You fostered a cock, let's say, temporarily, and then you threw it in the drawer. But you don't need to obsess about this. It's not uh, – for lesbians, you know, playing with dildos, playing with strap-ons – for penetrative sex, whether it's vaginally penetrative or orally penetrative, it's not the equivalent of the straight guy who lets a woman put a finger in his butt. You're not going to magically turn trans, and that straight guy isn't going to magically turn gay, unless he is gay, unless you are trans. Are you trans? That's a question that would take more unpacking and more you know, introspection. But if you're identifying this one moment of goofy, fun role play, as, you know, uh, either evidence of imminent transition or as some sort of contagion that you've now contaminated yourself with a little bit of dick role play and soon you will be dragged towards full FTM transition status. That's not a rational uh, fear. That's not a rational worry or concern. Continue to enjoy your strap-on, please. It's totally normal. Hi, Dan. So uh, I was just wondering... If you have a small dick, like micro penis style, would you? Are you obligated to tell the person you're with before they see it? I'm guessing this is a hypothetical because you don't have that micro penis dude tone of voice. Uh, this may be a question you're batting around with friends. Um, if you do yourself have a micro penis, you sound terribly well adjusted and upbeat about it. Micropenises, uh, for the uninitiated, are, of course, uh, the tiniest of penises, hence the micro part of that phrase. Obligated to disclose. You're not obligated to disclose. It might be wise, however, to disclose because, you know, the, the reveal of the penis with a new sex partner is kind of a big deal. You know, you're rolling out your genitals, rolling them out, and they're going to be scrutinized. And if a look on her face or a giggle or a laugh is going to be so emotionally devastating that you can't handle it, you might want to roll around for a few times. You might want to tell your partner. You might want to roll the dick out slowly, I guess is what I'm saying. Tell them, you know, you're only interested in oral the first few times and only performing it. Roll around for a bit. Prove to this person that you can provide them with the orgasms she requires. And then, you know, have a conversation where you, with the tone that you manifested in your call, no shame, no uh, inner torment, no dark night of the soul. Say, you know, I've got a really small dick, but I've got a really big forearm and I've got a really strong tongue and I can take care of you. But, you know, if you're a size queen and it's all about the dick for you, we might not be a match. I think that if you can say it like that, if you're not going to be a weepy bag of slop about it, because if you're a weepy bag of slop, then she's going to feel obligated to say, oh, oh, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Even if it does matter, you're going to put her in this position of comforting you and reassuring you falsely, perhaps. You don't want that kind of false reassurance because if a micropenis is a disqualifier 
for her, you need to move on until you find a woman who'd rather be fisted or who isn't at all a size queen or who would prefer a guy with a tiny dick for reasons of her own. So don't put a woman in a position of offering false reassurance because then you're going to have a lot of pity sex as you slowly realize that it's pity sex and you're going to feel humiliated and lied to and then you're going to move on. Better to roll it out unashamedly. Big fucking forearms. I can fist the shit out of you. Big strong tongue. I can give you orgasms. Willing to strap one on every once in a while when you want a good pounding in the usual missionary position. You can roll it out like that. I do think you should disclose first. Uh, not really a question, but more like a statement. The other day, um, I, a, friend of my, a friend and I were drinking, and he's straight, but he actually wanted to make love with me. He was very curious, and as it turned out, he had a very small penis, and I had, I had a very large one, and he was very kind of intimidated. But he made awesome love with his hands, and I was so amazed. I just, it wowed me. So it goes to show that you can't judge a book by its cover. Just ran that call for the previous caller and for any other small-dicked men out there in the listenership to show that even somebody who's like, whoa, small dick, can be totally sexually satisfied by a small-dicked partner if you develop and focus on other skills and bring them to the bed table. Hi, Dan Savage. I am a 22-year-old straight female, and my question is regarding something that happened this past weekend. I was at this club on Sunday night, and I started dancing with this boy. And everything was fine. And since there was on vacation, I decided to go home with him. Apparently, my dancing slash grinding, I guess, was a little on the rougher side. And when we got back to his hotel room, his shorts were all bloody because apparently his uncircumcised penis had ripped. He told me that this has happened before and it should be fine. Well, apparently he wasn't because in the middle of sex, he stopped me saying that it hurt too bad and he couldn't continue. I told him that he should probably go to the hospital, to which he agreed. And since it was just a one-night stand, I have no way of knowing whether or not he went to the hospital or what happened. But I have kind of a twist on the story. The same thing happened to one of my male friends a couple of years ago. He was having sex with his girlfriend at the time, and because of the rough sex they were having, I guess, he was forced to go to the hospital. This happened two more times to him, and when he finally saw a specialist, he was told that he had to get circumcised or else he ran the risk of losing feeling in his dick. So basically, my question is, do I have a skewed perception of uncircumcised penises, or is this a common occurrence? Unless you were wearing a sandpaper thong and... While you were grinding on the dance floor, he managed to get his dick all the way up your ass crack and you really shredded the fuck out of it. It's hard to picture a dance floor grind that could pound a bloody hole into this guy's cock. What's likelier to have happened is that he tore his foreskin, which can happen uh, during rough sex. Uh, it could also happen to a guy who is circumcised. You can you know, tear uh, right around the head of the penis and, and bleed. Probably tore his foreskin, messed around with somebody else, and you guys reopened it and it bled a little. And instead of him saying, hey, I've actually had sex with other people and had this problem and la, 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 you got, he blamed it on the dancing or whatever. As for your friend, 
Again, that sometimes happens. Men with foreskins sometimes uh, will get a little tear and bleed a little bit. It is a sensitive area. There's a lot of blood uh, vessels very close to the surface of the skin, and we slap that thing around, that dick of ours. You actually lose sensation when you are circumcised because you lose all sorts of nerve endings uh, that are in your foreskin uh, when someone is cut. And guys who've been circumcised uh, in adulthood report a uh, you know, terrific drop-off in sensation. So your friend is likelier to retain sensation by not getting circumcised and lose it and probably just needs to take it a little bit easier on his dick and be a little bit more in tune with his dick. That said, you know, sometimes a little bloody mess is the price we pay for sexual pleasure. Increases the risks of all sorts of sexually transmitted infections, bloodborne infections. You have to be careful. You have to be cautious. You have to use a condom. Uh, guys with foreskins, guys without foreskins need to not, when they're masturbating, grip so tightly or slam so hard that they make a bloody pulp out of their own penises, which has happened and frequently happens and then perhaps sometimes is blamed after the fact on the dancing that you were doing before you took your trousers off. Your concern for uncircumcised men is admirable but misplaced. Hey, Dan. Uh, this is Mike. I'm a 26-year-old bi dude in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my issue is this. I'm what you call a grower, not a shower. And I'm completely satisfied and happy with my dick when I'm fully aroused. Um, but I'm completely mortified about its appearance when I'm flaccid. Um, not so much with myself, but when I'm with partners. Uh, I just don't like being naked and flaccid in front of anyone. And it's beginning to, you know, be awkward and weird with people. You know, I enjoy nudity, but I really... Don't like exposing my, my flaccid dick, my shrimpy flaccid dick. So I want to know, is this a common thing? I've never really discussed this with friends. Um, is it common? Am I really fucked up in the head for having this fixation on my limp dick? And uh, I don't know. What's your advice, Dan? Your question brings to mind all sorts of studies that show most men who have penis enlargement surgery aren't getting that surgery to, you know, because they want to have bigger erect penises and they want to, you know, be bigger during sex. They want to be bigger when flaccid. They want to be bigger in the locker room. They're worried about what other people might think of their dicks based on the size of when flaccid, which is a pro you know, they're, they're guys who are like you, growers, not showers, and they don't want people to assume their grown dick has no show. I guess. Anyway, you need to get over your small dick in the flaccid state. You know, put yourself in the shoes of guys who are neither growers nor showers. All right? At least you grow. And if anybody gives you shit when you're enjoying nudity about the size of your dick, take them around the corner, stroke it up, show it to them at full mast, and tell them to fuck the fuck off. Or don't be naked in front of people. But there's really the surgeries, the male enhancement, there's nothing you can do to your dick to make it bigger without damaging it, really. You can get some surgeries and pump some shit into it, but it's going to make it harder for you to get off. It's going to make your dick look ugly and scarred. There's a tendon that anchors your penis to your pelvis that in some uh, you know, dick enlarging surgeries, they snip it and then it causes your erect penis and flaccid penis to hang about an inch lower than it does now and emerge from your body about an inch. But you're, it's, it's no longer anchored to your body. It's harder to fuck people with it, which is what it's there for. So you can sacrifice performance for display if you want, but you know what? You shouldn't want. Hey, Dan, I just listened to 188, and I was calling about the guy whose uh, girlfriend has a stink box. Um, yeah, 
besides uh, the bacterial and stuff like that. It could also be her diet. Um, maybe she could eat some parsley. I hear that helps. Uh, drink water. Maybe lay off the pepperoni a little bit or something. Preserved meats and you know stuff that stuff that gives you bad breath also gives you bad box. So maybe she could lay off the garlic and the onions a little bit or something. I don't know what her diet is, but um, I've heard that that helps. Hi, uh, Dan. This is a queer female from Texas who had, and I just wanted to respond to the caller in episode 188 in your response to her. I think you're right on in talking about how she's fundamentally ignorant of a lot of the, like, sort of rural South gay experience. That being said, though, as someone who has, you know, made the journey to the gay mecca, I currently live in Portland, Oregon, this is me to all the gay mecca individuals out there. Please don't hate on us for liking the places we grew up at least part of the time. This is not me being an apologist for some of the horrible shit that goes down goes down, down there. I mean, there are things I like about Texas, and I feel I tend to be feel, I tend to be made to feel like I'm betraying my sexuality by saying that I like fried chicken or whatever. And and I'm again not trying to apologize. I remember you saying to the good Chris, the Christians who complain about people hating on Christians is that they should stand up and say that they're not all Christians like that. Well, here's me standing up saying two things. One, not all Southerners hate gay people. Some of the Southerners are, in fact, gay people. And second, you know, if we're queer and we got out of there, please don't expect us to cut all ties completely and hate them forever and ever. Because, you know, there are actually some things that I like about my hometown. Hi, Dan. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so, so much for what you're doing. Um, I'm a 21-year-old straight girl, and I have a twin sister who's also 21, and she's always been a little bit more immature than I am, and um, she recently started having sex, and my mother freaked out and threatened to disown her and wanted me to have a sex talk with her, and I didn't want to belittle her because she's still 21. She's still, you know, her own person, and instead, when her iPod broke, I just filled hers up with all of my Savage Love podcasts, and we had a really long discussion about STIs because of it and the way she could be safe. So thank you so much for being able to open that up between us. Thank you, everyone, for your calls and your anxieties and your strap-ons and your micropenises, but we're going to leave it there for the week. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. If you prefer, you can go to the iTunes store and get the Savage Love app and have the Savage Love Letter of the Day and the podcast and everything else I do ever delivered directly to your phone at the iTunes store. And it gets better. You can give them as gifts to your savage love, obsessive, micro-penist, strapped-on, lesbian-anxiety-plagued, lesbo-flexible pals. Because they need them. They need me. Go to the iTunes store. Buy the app. Get the tech savvy at risk youth. Off my back about it. 206-201-2720 is the number. I think that's it. Oh, and I have a print edition of the column, too. I write this column, Savage Love. It's how the whole Savage Love empire started. And you can read it every week. In now, Toronto, in print, if you're in Toronto, in print, plenty of other places too. Am I excused? They're giving me the, yes, you're excused, you obnoxious, rude, piece of shit, faggot, face. 206-201-2720, me and the tech savvy, at risk youth, we'll be back at you with another podcast next week. Thanks for downloading.